Welcome to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller from WMHT.org. David Allen Miller conducts the Albany Symphony and he provides commentary on the WMHT Live broadcast. David's commentary is full of fascinating stories about the music, the performances, and more. In order to keep the program mostly music, some of what he provides ends up on the cutting room floor. This podcast contains no music, but it does contain all of David Allen Miller's commentary from the concert broadcast on WMHT Live from WMHT-FM, your classical companion. The Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony concert broadcast is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. The theme of the Albany Symphony's opening night concert was really pictures or portraits. And so uh, I combined a a group of pieces that all provide musical portraits, starting with the film score by Leonard Bernstein from On the Waterfront, continuing with this fascinating piece by Valerie Coleman, pictures of a group of phenomenal women, and ending with the most famous pictorial piece of all times, Mussorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition. I should also give a shout out to our principal trumpet player, Eric Berlin, a brilliant artist, but also a brilliant photographer who presented prior to the concert an amazing photographic exhibit uh, of about 85 photographs of members of the orchestra. So it was really an extraordinarily pictorial evening at the symphony. A beautiful book accompanied the exhibit, and and that book will be on sale at our concerts through the season, and also some of the beautiful full uh, images are also available through the Albany Symphony. Our concert began with that glorious early work of Leonard Bernstein's. It was his score, or actually a suite culled from his score, to the sort of film noir-y masterpiece of Elia Kazan, On the Waterfront. Marlon Brando's legendary performance along with, uh, I think, the debut of Eva Marie Saint, a story of uh, corruption and a union along the waterfront in Hoboken, New Jersey, and the uh, young man, Marlon Brando, who finally stands up against the corrupt, mob-infested union leader, criminal actor. So a very powerful, dark, brooding film and a beautiful film score that Bernstein wrote in 1954 for this film. It's kind of a fascinating film because Elia Kazan was one of those people who actually had testified before Joseph McCarthy's committee and had named names and had become very, very unpopular in Hollywood as a result of that uh, for being a turncoat. And in a, a strange way, this was kind of his his response to sort of stand up and, and make this film about someone who basically turns against... Uh, Others, very, very strange idea. Uh, needless to say, neither way, either way, it was a, a, a very uh, impressive film. It garnered 12 Academy Awards, and the, the music is extraordinarily powerful and gritty and quite moving. It's, it's also a love story between Marlon Brando and Eva Marie Saint uh, that sort of blossoms through the film, and there is a gorgeous love theme. So uh, the music begins with this kind of signature theme of the film, solo horn, uh, and then this uh, evolves into this very percussive, very dramatic, very irregular-sounding, turbulent kind of music that actually, if you're interested in meter, uh, it continues this kind of 7-4 idea, very irregular. You know, most bars of music are in 4-4 or 2-4, occasionally 3-4. 7-4 is 4 plus 3, and, and it creates this kind of fabulous irregularity, makes the, the music seem very unsettled. So that leads ultimately into this beautiful love theme, which takes quite a long time to blossom and gets richer and more beautiful and fuller and 
breaks out into this kind of riot music. And then eventually the music comes back after the second very dramatic theme, back to the beautiful love music and ends most, most beautifully and most dramatically. It's it's a great, great score. And, and I had done it once before long ago and uh, didn't feel like I did it very successfully because as with all film scores, it's it goes kind of from from section to section, what he's done is cobbled together different music from different parts of the film. But I must say, this time I really tried to approach it as pure music. And uh, I thought it worked quite beautifully as a 19-minute long orchestral tone poem. So here it is now, uh, Leonard Bernstein's gorgeous score to On the Waterfront, 1954. The orchestra is the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion and WMHT.org. That was Leonard Bernstein's suite from On the Waterfront to open our concert. The next work on the program, the centerpiece of the program, is a work, a very original and unusual work, called Phenomenal Women by composer and flutist Valerie Coleman. And this piece has a very profound influence on the 2019-20 Albany Symphony season because we've actually titled the entire season The Phenomenal Woman Season and through the season on most of the concerts, not all but most, uh, we'll be featuring particularly new works but also some classic works by great composers who happen to be women and at the center of the of the season will be a beautiful, very in-depth, intensive uh, weekend-long festival celebrating the great Clara Schumann, one of the very first modern women in music, an amazing figure who kind of did everything, uh, not only cared for her her challenging husband, uh, Robert Schumann, but raised eight children and was one of the great concert virtuoso solo pianists of her era, etc., etc. So the whole season is designed to celebrate this idea of phenomenal women in music, particularly phenomenal creative women, partly in honor of the fact that this is the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote, but also because of this moment in time in which we're really celebrating the equality and the value and the importance of women in the creative arts. So uh, this idea of a piece called Phenomenal Women just immediately was attractive to me. And uh, when I encountered the piece, I just thought it was a fascinating, different kind of concerto. It's a work that Valerie wrote for a group that she was actually the founder of, or one of the co-founders of. The Imani Winds is the sort of preeminent wind quintet in the country today and arguably in the world. It was begun by Valerie and uh, a couple of other musicians to be representative of a group of uh, all, all musicians of color. And they really wanted to make a statement when they were founded 23 or 24 years ago that there are great performing musicians of color. I should say in its current incarnation, four of the musicians are African-American and one is white. Uh, the clarinetist uh, Mark is is uh, one of the newer members of the group. Uh, it is an amazing group of musicians. And uh, as they said in talking about why they ultimately hired Mark, uh, they've kind of gone beyond having to make that point about the importance and the value of African-American musicians playing at the highest level in the field. Now they're just simply one of the great wind ensembles in the world. And Valerie, who served as the, the flutist in the group for 22 or 23 years, uh, retired about a year ago. And as part of her retiring from the group, really to, to devote herself fully to composing, which she's been doing alongside her performing career for many years, she wanted to write a concerto to celebrate the group and to celebrate this idea of phenomenal women, particularly phenomenal women of color. And so what this piece is, is, is a fascinating and absolutely singular piece. It's about a almost a 30-minute piece 
in six movements, actually, five of which are depictions of phenomenal women of color. The work takes its inspiration from a great poem by Maya Angelou. So the first movement is a, is a, a personification of Maya, and it's played by the entire quintet. And then what's fascinating about the work is that each movement is given to one of the members of the quintet. So in essence, each member of the quintet has his or her own solo movement. So the second movement, Catherine Johnson, about the great NASA mathematician and scientist, is a solo for the oboist. The third movement, Serena Williams, well-known by all of us, is a fabulous bassoon mini concerto, a four or five minute piece. It begins actually with the sound of a woodblock playing what sounds like a ball bouncing, and you actually hear the woodwind group sort of passing the ball over the over the net in a way. Movement four is a, a quite a departure, it's sort of the epicenter of the piece. It's a work for solo flute. It's actually not about a specific woman. It's called Caravana, and it's maybe the most beautiful certainly most introspective movement in the piece, a depiction of the the mothers, the women who are carrying and bringing their children across, attempting to bring their children uh, across the border, migrating from Latin America and Latin American countries to the U.S., and really a very beautiful, heartfelt, tragic description of the the courage and the the beauty of those, those women, of those mothers in particular. Movement five, Michelle Obama, is a French horn movement. Solo, uh, the featured solo is the French horn. And the final movement, Clarissa Shields, is a depiction of an Olympic gold medal boxer, Clarissa Shields, who happens to come from Flint, Michigan. So it actually begins with a sort of drip, drip sound of to relate the idea of the Flint water crisis and then eventually leads into this fabulous clarinet solo of Clarissa Shields essentially rising and ending with the entire quintet sort of rather triumphant. I should say the quintet plays throughout the piece, but what's fascinating about it is that it is really like five uh, mini concertos, each movement a different little mini concerto within the context of this larger phenomenal women theme. So fascinating piece. It was written exactly a year ago and premiered by the American Composers Orchestra who commissioned it. So we were honored and delighted to welcome the Imani Winds. They did a number of community engagement outreach events as well and then performed this work, uh, this recent work by composer and flutist Valerie Coleman, Phenomenal Women. It's performed by the Imani Winds along with the Albany Symphony. This is the Conductor's Notes podcast, only from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org. The Conductor's Notes podcast, featuring David Allen Miller's commentary for the Albany Symphony concert broadcast, is made possible in part by a grant from the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, supporting nonprofit organizations that have a history of substantial commitment to contemporary music. The final work on our program was the most ubiquitous and celebrated of all pictorial works, uh, really, literally pictorial works in the repertoire, Zest Mazorsky's Pictures at an Exhibition, an incredibly gorgeous and wonderful piece that, from a conductorial interpretive perspective, presents all sorts of fascinating challenges. As you might remember, the piece was originally a piano piece. Mazorsky created it as a piano piece, not even as a concerto or sonata. It's really in that genre, that 19th century genre, sort of almost like a Victorian genre of kind of uh, little picture pieces, uh, souvenirs, um, the kind of thing that Liszt liked to write and and other piano composers. Mazorsky wrote the piece in 1874, so kind of at the height of his fame, his great opera, 
Boris Godunov had just been premiered to great acclaim, or at least parts of it had been premiered. They'd done sections of it, and he was a rising composer at the time. Um, Mazursky was such an interesting figure, you know, in in that group, the so-called mighty handful of the five, the, the composers who were this kind of little league of the first great group of Russian nationalist composers, he was, I think, by far the most original and the most singular. He died, you know, tragically rather young, basically of alcoholism. He had started life as a very privileged, very successful young man. He was part of that famous Preobrazhensky regiment, the, the Tsar's official guard. So he obviously came from, from money and power and eventually became a functionary in government, but had a real uh, alcoholism problem, obviously and also really wanted to be a creative artist, so sort of live this double life in a way. Uh, but this work, he he just fashioned at the piano, and uh, it was inspired by a, a tragic event, by a, a close friend of his, Victor Hartmann, an artist and particularly an architect and designer, had died also very young, and uh, had been a very close friend of Mussorgsky's, and many friends of Hartmann created an exhibition of his works, many of his drawings and some of his paintings and sketches, architectural sketches, etc., and presented this uh, this exhibition, and Mussorgsky went to it and and felt very moved by it, and so he he sought in this very original way to depict his essentially wandering through this exhibition. So it begins with all that that famous promenade music, which he actually called an intermezzo, bum 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 bum, which is literally a picture of him kind of rotund Mussorgsky wandering through uh, through this exhibition. And uh, then that leads into these different, sort of, he stops in front of a picture and all of a sudden we enter the picture. The gnome, the, the gnomus is the first one and then there's a, an old castle and there are all these different, a big ox pulling a big wagon behind it. Uh, ultimately, of course, the the depiction of, of the witch Baba Yaga and the great gate of Kiev to finish the work. And as the piece goes, uh, there are a number of these insertions of these promenades of these of Mussorgsky walking through it. As the piece goes, there are fewer and fewer of those as we just go picture to picture. It's very brilliant and beautiful and multifaceted, but very, very, very Russian and lots of Russian sort of folk influence finds its way as it always does into Mussorgsky's work. And in my listening to the piece, I've always felt that the thing that's most unique about it is just even though he's he's making musical depictions of various different kinds of pictures, not all of them Russian, that there's this incredibly Russian folk sensibility to Mussorgsky's writing. So that, to me, is already fascinating, and it's a great, great piece that wasn't much played in Mussorgsky's time or that long after, but in the 20th century, it really became a, a huge, very popular solo piano piece, particularly in, in Russia and among Russian pianists. And almost immediately upon Mussorgsky's completing the work in 1874, uh, different composers really started orchestrating it, just feeling that it, it was inviting composers to turn it into a big orchestral piece. The first was a man named Tushmalov, a Russian, a kind of a, a rather minimal and not that compelling and rather dark orchestration. And there have been really a great number, I don't know, 10 or 15 different orchestrations made by different composers and conductors through the years at least. But of course, the by far the most famous uh, orchestration of the work is by Maurice Ravel, Sergius Kusevitsky, the great Russian-born conductor who for many, many years was the conductor of the Boston Symphony, asked Ravel to uh, orchestrate the piece in 1920 for Kusevitsky's concert series, which he did in Paris. And Ravel, who loved to orchestrate piano pieces, mainly his own pieces, accommodated the request, which is kind of surprising. He loved this piece of Mussorgsky's. He tried to find the original manuscript, which at that time was simply not available. And so he ended up using 
the known published version of it, which had been arranged like so many of Mussorgsky's works after his death by Rimsky-Korsakov, his younger colleague. And Rimsky, as usual, kind of, quote, cleaned the piece up a bit, made it a lot less Mussorgskyan and a lot less powerful. But uh, compared to pieces like Not on Bald Mountain, which he completely rewrote, uh, he just did some, you know, some, quote, improvements, which weren't improvements at all to the piece. So uh, what Ravel ended up orchestrating was Rimsky's version of Mussorgsky's piece. What was so fascinating for me this time, even though I've done the piece a few times before, was that there's a new uh, facsimile of Mussorgsky's original score, his original piano score, that's now available in a Russian edition that I managed to get my hands on. And to actually look through and see Mussorgsky's own handwritten version of the piece, and also lots of little emendations he made in the in the margins. Before Limoges, the scene in the marketplace in France, there's this incredibly funny little depiction of all the different ladies gossiping, and so-and-so got his cow back, and so-and-so's dentures hurts, and someone still has a red nose, and it's just very, it's very detailed and very funny. So you have the sense that Mussorgsky was having a huge amount of fun creating these pieces, and it, it really informs kind of the, the originalist interpretation of the piece. So I did a really deep comparison of what Ravel does, which is fairly close to Mussorgsky, but of course with his own 20th century sensibility and his own very French sensibility with Mussorgsky's original intention. And that actually, I think, always is the the pull in interpreting this piece for conductors who are working on the piece. How much do you try to make it really sound like 19th century Russian music? And how much do you try to make it sound like pure technicolor Ravelian early 20th century music? I tend to try to find a middle ground, of course, uh, and it is so colorful in Ravel's brilliant orchestration. But I do I do try to go back and evoke as much kind of Russianness and deep, dark, rich Russian folk idea in it as possible. Either way, it's just a glorious and great time for the orchestra, and I hope for the audience as well, gives so many of our members chances to shine and to step out as soloists. Here it is, this most beautiful pictorial work in music history. It's Modest Mussorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition, orchestrated by Maurice Ravel. It's performed by the Albany Symphony, conducted by me, David Allen Miller. Thanks for listening to the Conductor's Notes podcast featuring David Allen Miller of the Albany Symphony Orchestra from WMHT-FM, your classical companion, and WMHT.org.